Welcome to We The Podcast, the show about how the people outside of the billionaire and millionaire class, you know, most of us, engage the economy. For more than 30 years, Americans have been working longer hours for lower pay. And whether you're a single parent working three jobs to make ends meet, a teacher who's lost health insurance and had their wages slashed, or you've just fallen on hard times, the truth is we all need a little help from time to time. If you're lucky, you can go to friends or family for a little help just to make the ends meet. But when that's not an option, sometimes people turn to a certain type of a loan, payday loans. Payday loans aren't like the kind of loans that you usually see, like car loans or student loans. Payday loans are offered for a short period of time, sometimes just a few weeks. They're small dollar loans, usually a few hundred bucks. But they can have interest rates as high as 600%. And when someone takes out a payday loan for, say, 300 bucks, and they can't pay it back, that can turn into thousands within months. If you can't pay back the original loan amount, payday lenders will give you another option. Take out another payday loan, and suddenly you're sinking deeper and deeper. Payday lending firms aren't a cottage industry either. Last year, payday lenders made more than $46 billion, $46 billion off of people who just needed a little help to get by, but they got way more than they bargained for. Low- and middle-income folks frequently turn to payday loans when there's an emergency, Sometimes it's for medical bills or car repairs, but sometimes it's just to help fill the refrigerator with food. I asked my old classmate from University of Minnesota and current University of Minnesota law professor, Prentice Cox, to tell me a little bit more about petty loans. How do they work? He spent his career protecting consumers from predatory lending practices, fine print, and just basically trickeration. Well, the best way to do it is hope that you got an aunt who's got a little bit of money in the bank or you can raise it from friends. Uh, But some people are forced into uh, trying to get money from a lender. And these small dollar loans is what we call them. And and a payday loan is a big part of that. So I think the high cost is the thing that hits people right away. But when you peel that back a little bit and look at it, it's, it's not just the high cost or even primarily the high cost of the loan. Because if you only take out one payday loan and you pay it back in two weeks, you know, maybe you borrow 300 bucks and it costs you 25 to $40 or something like that. That's a lot of money uh, for such a small loan. But it, it is, it's probably going to be okay if you can pay it back in two weeks. The real problem with small dollar lending is that these loans that the lenders like to talk about as a two-week loan, a large percentage of the people taking these out, everyone knows. The lender knows and the person taking the money knows or should know that it's not going to be a two-week loan, that they're going to come back in two weeks and there's no way they can pay it back. And they're going to roll it over and they're going to get hit for that $25, $35, $40 again and again and again to the point where they paid back multiple of many times of the loan. 
and it's these debt traps that really are the are the biggest problem that happen with small dollar loans. How widespread is the problem? Uh, actually, it's widespread in the sense that most of the people who that the average loan is not two weeks, four weeks, six weeks. That the average number of loans is is about ten. So these these debt traps are not not the exception; they're the rule. In terms of the geography of it, it has a lot to do with state law and state. It's right now, it's governed entirely by state law. And you know, when you hear three hundred and sixty percent, well, usury, you know, comes into play here. There, there's these national banks that get away with not having to pay attention to state usury law, but most payday lenders uh, are subject to state usury laws, so they have to lend under various patchwork of state rules, and it varies all across the board. Uh, our neighbors in Wisconsin and South Dakota have absolutely no caps, and so the rates they pay are literally the highest in the country. They'll pay four or five hundred percent for these loans. Um, however, uh, a good handful of, uh, of about 15 states prohibit payday lending. So if you're in New York, there are no payday loans. Um, so you, 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 it runs the board, and it varies a lot by where you are by state. It might vary from one place to another, but I can tell you that it sure affects my hometown in Minneapolis. I spent and talked with a constituent of mine, Anna Brilia, who's now a labor organizer, about how she got trapped by payday loans. Since the last 10 years, maybe more, you've been doing, you've been having to listen, organize, and mobilize people around things that affect their lives the most, right? Yeah, that's been my career. Yeah, and but here's the thing that really struck me. Even you, Anna, with all of your excellent communication, reading, writing ability, which you have to have to be great in your job, and I could say that you are great in your job, you got messed up in this payday loan mess. Yep. How'd that happen? So, um, about 10 years ago, uh, I was in my mid-20s, and I was, like many people in their mid-20s, going from job to job. They were jobs in the campaign world and social justice, but they were temporary often, and I moved around a lot. Um, but I had some uh, health issues that, because I was uninsured at the time or intermittently insured, I started racking up a lot of credit card debt, medical debt, um, and, you know, over the course of a few years, maxed out several credit cards. I was in the position of having pretty unaffordable housing and because I was going in and out of jobs and on and off of health insurance, um, I got to a point where I was um, behind on payments. I was bouncing my checking account. I couldn't make some credit card payments. So then credit card rates went up on all my cards because this was before the credit card regulations that you worked on went into effect. Yeah. Um, and so I found myself... Um, just in a financial tailspin because of all these different factors. And I realized that a short-term option that seemed like it would be better for me would be to get a payday loan. I thought it was going to happen, you know, once, but it began the process of two years for me of reliance on payday loans to try to financially stabilize myself. I didn't know until two years in that I'd been paying over 700% interest. And I really only was able to get out of it when I got 
better employment, a stable job, steady income, better health insurance, all the much more affordable housing, all the things that help you financially is really what helped me get out of that entire mess. But it took a long time, and I felt like totally taken advantage of and and didn't really realize how bad it was. Well, well, let me just say, you know, um, for anyone who knows you, you know, they they think of you as a, you know, really smart, capable person, and you certainly are that. And you being entangled in this mess just sort of makes the point that this could happen to anybody. You know what I mean? And when you think about folks who maybe didn't get a chance to finish school or, you know, might, you know, might not have some of the background you had, it could even be worse for them. Do you think Right. So? I mean, privilege is what helped me escape the trap. That's what I talk about. I have white privilege. I have economic privilege, educational privilege. Um, I, you know, moving back to Minnesota provided me with, you know, stronger access to some social services that other states where I was living didn't have. So all those things combined helped me. But I say often in our work on this issue that um, people who don't have uh, any sort of um, upward mobility, you just, you can't get out of it unless you make more money. That's really, (laughs) that's really the most important way for people to understand how to solve these predatory lending programs. It's not just regulations, but it's our overall economy. And so, yeah, I mean, for me, I was living paycheck to paycheck Mm -hmm. and didn't, or didn't have the means of uh, paying off debts, and when I had maxed out every other type of debt I could access, I turned to payday loans, and that is what happens to a lot of people. Many people. Well, another, well, so so you may have privileges, and of course, you know, I have male privilege and stuff like that. But the truth is, you know, you couldn't just call up dad and mom and say, "Take care of these bills for me." I mean, you you, you there were that there, wasn't my situation. Well, there's a lot of situation. Well, there are a lot of things about you that are kind of that, that a lot of people would identify with. No, right. nobody to just solve the problem. You know what I mean? This right. was on your shoulders to deal with, mm-hmm. and uh, so you know, while you did have certain you know things that kind of did help, in many ways you were in the same boat as so many people who get caught up in this mess, right? Right, yeah. I mean, all the factors that I described that were going on in my life are very, very commonly reported. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just the, there's a myth out there that people turn to payday loans just because they have one financial crisis. Um, but most of the statistics show that payday lending is used to meet basic expenses. Um, and that was my situation. So if you have financial stress and you're living paycheck to paycheck, um, that adds up so you can make it through one circumstance or another. But for me, it was eventually all of those um, challenges kind of getting substantially worse, um, not one particular factor, although the I would say the medical really was a huge factor in it. So and let me just – you know, uh, confront a myth. You know, you, you hear some people say, oh, well, you know, these people are out here buying rings and expensive furniture, and this is how they get in this mess. I mean, what, what do you say about that kind of claim? Uh, I think it really shows that 
if you if you think that you maybe can spend more time talking to the financially stressed mm-hmm. families in your community to find out what the choices are that people are having to make. And in our work on payday lending, we are we are hearing you know some people saying my relationship with money hasn't been great my whole life, so I've made some mistakes. Yeah, everyone has. But when you're financially on the margins and you have no cushion, you can't. We don't have the luxury of um, any of any of that, um, that those common misconceptions. That it's just blatant mismanagement of funds, and that if you just had improved your personal behavior and your individual consumer choices, that you wouldn't be in this situation. That is completely an inaccurate understanding of how our economy is working for most people. So, Anna, just two things, were, or maybe three, were, were really driving your situation. I mean, if you could just comment. One is, you weren't getting paid right. You know, that's one thing you mentioned. Well, I mean, I was—I would say that this is another myth, though. Is I, I did have a pretty good income. I had a moderate income. Okay. okay. Um, what, can you give that, us a ballpark of what that was? I think I was making almost fifty thousand at the time, um, yeah. and that—you know—the problem for me though was the intermittent work. So it was—you know—I was working for nine months, and then I would be unemployed for four, five, six months, and so that was more my issue. So it wasn't just um, that I didn't have a paycheck. You have to have an income to get stuck in payday lending. Yeah. So, but you know, then on the other hand, you had this. When I was, it was worse for me when I was on unemployment right. in payday lending, which that was one of the things that happened after a while. So, yes, that was a factor. But then you had that medical debt problem. Mm-hmm. And then on the other. Oh. Ongoing expenses of, of medical expenses. Anna's story is sadly common. There are so many people that get trapped in a cycle of bad debt taking out loan after loan. But Anna was lucky. She was able to reach out to some folks who could help her, her faith community. The multi-faith clergy group Isaiah is now doing work to help other folks, like Anna, who need to get out of the payday loan cycle of debt. I'm Pastor Corey Barner. Pastor Grant Stevenson. I'm a Lutheran pastor and on staff with Isaiah. I'm Kate Hespace. I'm a community organizer with Isaiah, and I lead our payday lending work. We're a faith-based organization, and we organize um, people and leadership through congregations across um, faith and across denominations. So uh, the three Abrahamic faiths all have something to say about usury um, and and name and call out something like payday lending where you're charging high interest on low-income people as immoral and sinful practices. So. I say that to say we've tried to organize across um, denominational leadership and get more and more clergy engaged and publicly vocal about this and their work. So then we've also organized a whole series of actions both locally and statewide. So Pastor Corey and I recently went to D.C., um, met with uh, legislators, and then did a demonstration um, in support of regulation uh, to curb payday lending nationally. You know, uh, it's funny because when you think about our religious traditions, even inside, for example, um, my tradition, the Christian tradition, it's difficult to find a topic that um, people across denominations, so-called liberal, so-called conservative denominations, it's difficult to find a topic that there is such unanimity of uh, agreement on as the practices of predatory payday lending, which is one of the great things um, that we've discovered in doing this work is it. Uh, brings us together with uh, sisters and brothers across lots of different traditions 
where we can raise up uh, a voice around one common moral issue. Some of even Isaiah's own leaders have had to deal with the trap of predatory payday loans. When I went in to um, actually get a loan, I just needed some glasses. Um, I didn't have enough income at the time to get the glasses. So I'm thinking when I take this loan out with them, it was really small that I would be able to pay it in increments, really small. But after taking out the loan, they end up charging me so much, they wanted me to come back the next month, bring the amount I took out, plus the interest. So it was never that. And they said, well, if you don't have a bank account, we have our own card. It's not so much a bank, they per se, they give you a card and have you load your money or have your checks go to their uh, card or whatever, however they establish that. And it goes and loads itself on that card and then they can pull the money because they need to have all access to your, your banking information and to that card. So whatever, whichever way you used it, that's how they get their money and that they're able to take it when they want to take it. And that's how they had me, they gave it. I had, to, and actually I was going back and forth because it had me trapped. I started off low. They wouldn't give me what I really needed just to get the glasses. I had to go back and I gave them the money back because I'm thinking I can pay it every month. But they waited till I signed my name to tell me that no, this is not really how it goes. You do it this way. And so I went there and then the next month I came back, brought everything I'm supposed to pay them with the fee. And then I had to take it back out because all of my money is already allocated for them, for me to pay my bills. And so I had to take it back out. And each time they, they give you like, I think it was like 90 days before they increase. And when they increase it, you know, how much you can take out, they want to make sure you still getting the same amount of money. So they ask for another, your income after 90 days. And so that's how they get you in there. They don't always give you really what you need unless you're already making a whole lot of money, you know, and this is how you get trapped because you don't have that amount, but yet still you have to give them back whatever they gave you plus the fee and whatever the interest was. So I was at 175%. I think Pastor Corey's story illustrates how this industry works. That is, it, the whole industry is predicated on people not actually being able to successfully pay back the loan. That's how they make that's how they make their money. And this is why we refer to payday lending as predatory lending, because what they're actually needing Pastor Corey and every one of their customers to do is uh, not be able to pay back their loan to fail and pay paying back their loan. So any industry that is uh, predicated on siphoning money off the people who are struggling economically the most and predicated on the idea that they will uh, be unsuccessful in paying back their loan. That is by definition a predatory industry and that's uh, what's wrong with the payday industry. fighting back. Isaiah is organizing to help people get out of this cycle of debt 
and to educate them about the dangers of these loans. And Anna, who was able to escape that debt trap, is now working to help folks too. Let me ask you this. Um, what did you do about it? Because we know you did something about it. Um, well, finally, I think what happened was I went to a community center I, and, you know, I was trying to get a bunch of things taken care of, um, just figuring out the health needs that I had and the center that I was at had free financial counseling. And so I met with a financial counselor and we went through all of my debts. And she talked to me about the payday lending, and that's when I found out that it had been 700% interest. Um, and she said to me, no matter what you do, do not ever take out another payday loan. And that was so hard because at that point I wasn't relying on them as much, but it was still what I saw as the cushion for me if I needed it. And so it was really through working with that financial counselor that I started to see no matter what I do to stabilize myself financially, if I'm always bleeding these fees out of my income, I'm I'm never going to be able to get into a, a better situation. But like I said, I was in a better paying job with better health insurance, and that was a huge part of it. And I, and I got into way uh, cheaper housing. So, you know, a lot of folks, when you're in financial stress, um, working with a financial counselor can be really valuable and having that outside perspective. I just want to stress, though, that individual personal choices, people making individual personal choices is not the only way that we're going to solve the problem payday lending. No, I think you're right. And so tell me about Exodus Lending. So Exodus Lending um, is a new nonprofit that I was one of the founders of, and our mission is to provide financially stressed payday borrowers with a just pathway to financial stability. And we were formed out of a response to the expansion of predatory payday loans in our neighborhoods in South Minneapolis. I'm a member of Holy Trinity Lutheran Church, and some payday lenders opened in the neighborhood of the church, and folks wanted to know what were these new businesses and what was the deal with them. And so, they, you know, people went in and found out these are our lenders that are charging over 300% interest right in our neighborhood, and we are not okay with that. And so we started organizing, doing community organizing, outreach, um, trying to figure out who else had stories to share about how harmful payday lending was. Um, and that began the process of over two years of dreaming and planning and researching and working really hard to figure out the response that we could have to provide relief to, to people in payday lending and also to uh, bring more resources, raise the issue in the community. And so what we do with Exodus Lending is uh, we have opened up space for people trapped in the payday loan debt trap to come in, uh, bring their debt to our community, and we will refinance their payday debt. Oftentimes our average payday loan borrower that comes in to see us has an average payday loan interest rate of 439%. So they'll come in and our staff will meet with them, 
figure out where the payday loans need to be paid off. So then they go into a loan with Exodus Lending at 0% interest, zero fees. Mm -hmm. And they also have a chance to tell their story to someone. So that initial intake process is often a pretty emotional situation where they're coming in and telling their story about their family, their health insecurity, their housing, child care, domestic violence. All these things come out in that um, initial uh, intake process. And that begins a year-long relationship building um, effort that our program offers. So our staff checks in with our uh, loan program participants once a month just to see how they're doing. And then we also incentivize referrals to financial counselors. Those are the professionals that work with you on dealing with your debt. And then also we incentivize um, savings. So if you save a certain amount, then uh, we're able to match that so that hopefully after the end of a year of being able to pay back um, you know, on average, people are coming to us with around $680, so they have a year to pay that back, and hopefully over that year they've gotten some professional support to deal with their um, other debts that they might have as well as some sort of stability to be able to save a little bit of money. I went back to Professor Cox about what policymakers could do to help people like Anna and the people in the congregations of the people of Isaiah. One thing to do is, is check out credit unions if you belong to a credit union. There are credit unions across the whole country who are working on developing alternative products that have longer tails on them, essentially, uh, so that you pay this back a little bit at a time. Um, you know, uh, other things you can do is uh, tr try to find some any sort of funding to pay these things off and then figure out a plan to pay the person back, even if it's a collection of friends who all pitch in 20 bucks, mm -hmm. and then you promise to pay each of them back a little bit. Um, look around for where you might go for help generally with financial issues and, and ask people there if they're aware of alternative programs. They're kind of in the weeds, but they exist everywhere. Uh, financial counselors in Minnesota, we have Lutheran Social Services are great financial counselors, and they can hook you up with some of the, you know, with some plan to get out of this. Um, and, and uh, you know, th those are really the, the best alternatives. That's at the individual level. Mm -hmm. I mean, what we really need is we really need to overhaul the regulation we have of, of these loans. Yeah. Uh, we, need to, we need a new way of thinking about this problem, and uh, it's on the horizon. I mean, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen pretty soon in the form of new rules that are coming down from the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau. Even better, the agency conceived of by Senator Elizabeth Warren and signed into law by President Obama to protect Americans from predatory lending, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, the CFPB, will soon announce new regulations that will rein in abusive payday lenders. They've issued a, an overall view, uh, a sort of a policy paper saying we're, we're about to issue a proposed rule and here's our idea for how to regulate it. Um, and it was pretty scattershot. It was sort of all over the place. But in the, in the seeds of that, in the middle of that, I think were the key ideas here. And I'm expecting and hoping that the rule builds on these key ideas. And the number one is that you can't make these loans if, you don't, if the borrower, the person who's taken out the loan, doesn't have the ability to pay you back in two weeks. It's pretty simple. It's really a pretty simple concept. 
it's one that we didn't have for mortgages before the mortgage collapse, and it's the single most important rule that we could have had in place and that we do now have in place uh, is this ability to pay rule. And it's something that should exist with all credit products. You, you just you can't push loans on people if the idea is you're just going to trap them in the loan and then you're going to take their house or you're going to, you know, keep taking their paycheck, et cetera, and, or, and drive them into bankruptcy and make more money in the process of doing that than if you had actually had a successful loan. You shouldn't allow that. And I think that's the key idea. And I think that will be. And I'm hoping that will be at the center of the rule for the CFPB. The director of the CFPB, Richard Cordray, has made stopping the scourge of predatory lending on payday loans a priority. Trouble strikes when they cannot pay back the money. That two-week loan rolls over and over and turns into a loan that the consumer has been carrying for months and months. Soon they're living off money borrowed at a rate of 400%. One consumer wrote a tell your story on our website about borrowing $500 to pay for car repairs. In nine months, $900 has now been paid out, $312 more to go. The payday lender takes the money directly from the consumer's checking account and not enough is left to pay other bills. In addition to the things we need to learn more about, we, we know that some payday lenders are engaged in practices that present immediate risks to consumers and are clearly illegal. While we need to learn more about the prevalence of this conduct and what allows it to fester, where we find these practices, we will take immediate steps to eliminate them. Sometimes we get by with a little help from our friends. But payday loans aren't good loans. They're designed to trap consumers in cycles of ever-increasing debt. The CFPB will soon release regulations to allow small-dollar loans that do not destroy someone financially. I hope the rule will encourage more community banks to provide and support better loan products, like Anna's Exodus Lending. We should support groups and companies that make small-dollar loans that help people not hurt them. And most importantly, we need to work hard to build a fairer economy so people can save and they don't need to borrow when they see a rainy day. An economy where people don't need loans to put food on the table and diapers on their kids. And that's the real moral of the story. I'm Keith Ellison, and I'll see you next time. This episode of We the Podcast was produced by Isaiah Kirshner-Breen, Brett Morrow, and Carol Wayman.